0: Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson.
1: Hello everyone and welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio. This is episode number 398 of the World's Most Dangerous Podcast. I'm your host, Chad Dotson. With me again this week, the guru of RedLegNation.com and RedsMinorLeagues.com. It's Doug Gray. How are you today, Doug? 398? That's, uh, wow. <laughs> that's insane. <laughs> that, that really
2: is insane. Have you talked to anybody about your, your problem you've got here?
1: What do they say about the definition of insanity? You keep doing the same thing over and over and <laughs> you get the same result. That's pretty much what's going on here.
2: Well, it's, uh, we have fun though, right?
1: We do have fun and uh, that's why we keep doing it. Um, hopefully something uh, interesting and fun for the uh, 400th episode coming up soon, but we got to get through 398 and 399 first. So... Doug, in the last couple weeks, we have kind of you know recapped the twenty twenty one Cincinnati Reds season, handed out some awards. Uh, last week, Chris Garber and I kind of looked forward to the off and, and tried to formulate some type of a plan for you know uh, uh, what the Reds should do if they want to try to compete next year. And the truth is, they're not they're not that far away if they if they wanted to try to do that. So we're going to keep our fingers crossed there. But I, I did want to take a moment since the season's ended. And since we really didn't have a minor league season last year, I wanted to kind of – we'll talk major league uh, – a lot of major league stuff later on, obviously. But I, do, I did want to kind of recap the uh, Reds minor league system this year. And, um, you know, you you handed out some awards this week and, and an all-star team. I wanted to go through those just to – that's something we don't talk about as much as maybe we should on, the, on this podcast. But, you know, the part of uh, Chris Garber and I, part of our argument about how the Reds, if they really wanted to try to, to go for it here, is that, they you know, they've got some – there got some goods down on the farm that uh, are going to help in the next few years, hopefully. And so, you know, it might be a good time to really really do that. But anyway, uh, can you just kind of give us, before we get into the a- actual awards, what your take on after, after you know, what happened in 2020 and now after this kind of st- still a little bit strange, 2021 season, your take on the Reds farm system, just kind of overall 30,000 foot view.
2: I mean, I think it's the strongest it's been in a while. Um, not the strongest it's ever been since I've been covering it in the last, I don't know, gosh, I feel super old now, 16 years. Um, But uh, there's, there's good depth. Most places, uh, they've got a solid set of starting pitching prospects that are relatively close, which is always more beneficial than if you've got say seven of them, but they're all in a ball and you know, they've still got to go through the grind and work their way up and you don't know what's going to happen. I mean, their top three pitching prospects are all in double A or triple A right now. You, You like to see that because that just, that means, Hey, they're right there. If you need them, um, and I mean that, that doesn't even include a couple guys that graduated this year. You know, T- Tony Santillan, um, Vladimir Gutierrez. Um, so y- you like that from the pitching side. Uh, on the position side, I mean, it's kind of barren at the top of the farm system. I mean, you've got Jose Barrero, who I, he's on the brink of the major leagues. Now, where he's going to wind up playing, who knows. I don't, I'm not even sure the Reds have an idea right now. But, I mean, beyond him, there's not a lot... In terms of everyday caliber players in AA and AAA, that's a little bit concerning. But you really like what you see in A-ball and rookie ball right now. Um, and again, it, it's kind of the, the same thing I said with pitching. You don't really know how that's going to work its way out as you know guys go through year by year. Can they make that next level jump? But there's a lot of really exciting guys down there right now. So I, you, you kind of have a, have a mixed bag there. But I, I think overall the, the farm system's in pretty good shape.
1: So let's talk uh, a little bit of, before we get into those awards again. I want to talk about the Arizona Fall League first because it's uh, just getting started out there in Arizona. <laughs> Funny how that works. You know, geography, man. Hey, I love it. So, in the Arizona Fall League this year, evidently they are using uh, some, some some new rules, some different rules, and trying some things out. I know that there is a a, a no shifting rule. Is that right? Well, how, how's that going to actually work? So they actually use this rule in Double A this year as well.
2: Um, and what they do is it's typical, you know. I want. I guess I'm going to say old school defense. You got two infielders on one side of second base, two infielders on the other side. You have to be in the dirt. Um, that that's that's pretty simple. I mean that that's kind of what they're doing. You know, they did it in Double A this year, and it really didn't change. What happened when guys made contact? So, I you know I I we we all kind of have this idea in our heads that. Hey, the shifting, the guys playing out in right field—it's taken away a bunch of hits. And I'm sure we've all seen dozens of what we felt hits were taken away. Um, But I mean, in the grand scheme of things, it it really didn't do much this year in terms of when guys made contact and turning that into hits at the double A level this year. Um, Obviously, it's way too early to know how it's going to play out in the Arizona Fall League, but I think we're probably going to see something similar. Um, Now, whether that ever gets to the big leagues, who knows? I think that that's that they want to do it. That's why they're testing it out now. But so far, the results haven't exactly been what many people thought they would be.
1: Now, I like that they're trying things, though. I got to got to say, as usual, and we've said this a million times on this podcast. Rob Menford is a genius.
2: Oh, I I did not say that. Uh, no one, no one, quote me saying that, please. Um.
1: <laughs> uh, yes uh, so anyway and um. they also they're, they're, uh, uh, some of the games are going to have the, the the robot ump's. they're going to have a, a pitch clock implemented out there that I think they're going to actually uh, utilize and enforce uh, so I don't know it's uh, interesting to see what's going on there but let's talk about the players the Reds are sending out the Reds have got I believe seven players on Arizona Fall League rosters if I'm not mistaken and, and just a quick kind of I'll ask you about a few of these guys and if you could just give us a quick yeah know just a quick overview of, of who they are one two sentences about who, who they might be in the future for the Reds. And the first one I want to talk about is a guy that I is one of my arch enemies in the organization. That's Michael Ciani. <laughs> He's out so, there, twenty two years old, right?
2: Yeah, uh Michael Ciani, great defender in center field, can steal a bunch of bases very fast, really good arm. Um, struggles to hit. Um still young. Got he got some power potential, but he, he has not put it together at the plate yet.
1: So at age 22 he's going to have to start uh, at some point. Uh, it's almost like he should have gone to college.
2: Uh, well, I wouldn't have gone to college because they gave him $2 million to not go to college. I'm just you...
1: saying. <laughs> See, what, what's ridiculous about that is no one w- would accept $2 million in exchange for going to the college where Siani had committed to play college baseball. The University of Virginia.
2: I mean, uh, look, the Reds are just trying to hurt your feelings. They keep taking away all these top guys from the University of Virginia baseball oh, team.
1: Oh, screw the Reds! Uh, no, so Michael Ciani. Yeah, no, I was hopeful, obviously, that that uh, when he did sign with the Reds, um, and you're right, he made the right decision, but uh, not for me personally. But he didn't even consult me. So, um, yeah, he's gonna he's gonna start hitting uh, at some point. So, but it could happen. He's you know still time. Um, what about um, what about James Maranen? You know, he's
2: actually a guy that's really interesting. He didn't make a team out of spring training this year. They held him back in Arizona, kind of told him, "Hey, we want you to work on some things." Uh, they brought him up at I think it was the, the end of June. he joined Daytona, and he was kind of iffy for the first month or so, but he really turned it on in the second half, and uh, you know the Reds really like what they're seeing out of him right now. Um, he's picked up about two miles per hour on his fastball in the last month and a half. Well, that's not bad. that's not bad.
1: Uh, what about the uh, relief pitcher, Michael Burn? I, I like those those movies that he was in, uh, the Burn Supremacy, and what were those called? Uh, the Burn Identity. The The, 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 the Burn Ultimatum. Oh, the Burn Ultimatum. All right, yeah, those were good. But can he pitch? Uh, sinker ball guy
2: um, not, doesn't really strike out a lot of guys, but tries to get ground balls, um,
1: throw strikes. The reason I ask that is—is is he a uh, because he was in uh, uh, Chattanooga this year, right? Double A. Yes. Is he a guy that might be in the mix to come up and get some relief innings at some point next year? I would think he has to be, right?
2: No? Maybe. Maybe. I mean, if you're asking me, I, th- I think the upside there, he's a sixth inning type reliever. Um, I mean, he's he's not going to blow anybody away. He, I mean, he's he, he's a guy.
1: Anybody? There you go. Any, anyone else in the Arizona Fall League that you feel like we should highlight uh, before we move on to your awards
2: Ivan Johnson um middle infielder he's been playing second base um out in Arizona but he's he played shortstop most of his time in the Reds organization uh, some people think he's got a chance to stay at shortstop really interesting that there's some power there there's a, a, a decent hit tool especially for a shortstop or a second baseman um so some people really like him got on uh, base he, a little he's, bit he's, he, yeah he's performing well so far out there
1: so well good he it looks like you know i'm just looking at his numbers uh See, he was a fourth round pick in 19, but he had pretty good on-base percentage this year it looked like in but uh, Daytona and Dayton. Yeah. So so we got Daytona and Dayton. Why don't we have Chattanooga and Chattanooga? And Louisville and Louisville. I'm 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 not a I don't know what is it,
2: Amerigo Vespucci. I'm not that guy, <laughs> so I don't get to pick those things.
1: Oh man, I've lost my mind. These reds have finally worn me down. It took 398 episodes. <laughs> so, okay. Um so and so johnson is uh so far this small sample size obviously but uh impressing some people out there so we'll keep an eye on him and all the rest i want to now talk about you know uh, nate and i did our major league awards a couple weeks ago and uh, you've given out your awards as i said and i want to begin with your 2021 cincinnati reds minor league all-star team and kind of you know let's just uh run through some a lot of our listeners will not have heard of some of these guys but these again all-star team uh, some of these guys are going to have a chance right you'd think uh, for the reds coming going forward so i want to I want to look at talk about them not just in terms of who they are now, but is this a guy that can really make a you know, make a dent on the big league level, in your opinion? Uh, and so we're going to start with uh, with your all star catcher. Now, first of all, how, you chose these out of all every minor league player that played in the minors this year, or did you have what kind of standards did you use here?
2: Uh, I mean, anybody that played in the Red System this year. Um, usually, I would do a full season and a rookie season uh, all star team, but. We went from four teams in rookie ball to two teams, so it didn't really make sense to do that. So I just tried to make it, it – if you played roughly a full season at whatever levels you were at, you qualified.
1: So i, I got to start here by saying that in general, when we talk minor leagues, there's at least uh, three or four players that you mentioned who I, I still truly believe that you've made them up. There are three guys at least on this All-Star team that are fictional. They don't exist. So you all can figure out which ones they are. The first one though is the catcher because that's not a real name.
2: Daniel Veojine, and it is—it is a real name.
1: That's—it's not. I, you made I, that I up. I—I
2: I didn't make it up. I mean, somebody at some point in time did make it up. Well. I'm guessing it was his parents, but it's—it's it's a real name. I've—I've I've heard other people use it. I've seen the guy.
1: It's so he was in Low A this year.
2: Yeah, he—he he was in Dayton. He's a—he made a really big jump um, two years ago. The last time they had a minor league season, he was in the Dominican summer league. And they jumped him all the way to Low A. I mean,
1: that a seems really, like a big really, jump.
2: It I mean, it is. Usually they'll they'll stop you uh, somewhere in rookie ball. And I mean, obviously, you know, don't have as many rookie ball teams anymore. But they're still the team that plays out in Arizona that, you know, in theory, he could have gone and played. But the, the Reds felt very comfortable with him. Um, he, right now, he's more of a glove first catcher than a bat first. But it's not like he can't hit. Um, I mean. He walks almost as much as he strikes out. He had 72 walks and 73 strikeouts. He had 401 on base percentage this year, um, but he's he's such a good defender. I mean, I people rave about his defense. He can throw. He can block pitches. He calls a great game. Um, I mean, he's he does really well with framing and how long that continues to matter. Who knows because. Major League Baseball—they're at least testing out the automated strike zone in several different places. So they—they kind of want to go to that, but we don't know how long that's going to take to get right, and if they eventually do make it there. But until it is there, framing matters. He's very good at it.
1: Okay, so you—you you, what went through my head, and you, you touched on it, but was you said glove first? And I'm looking at his numbers, and I see a 4-1 on base percentage. And I'm like, oh, now that's the kind of glove first catcher <laughs> I want. <laughs> you know. Uh, but yeah, strong arm evidently, and uh, um, he doesn't exist. But if he existed, Daniel Velodjan would be uh, – I think I pronounced that right, didn't I? He's we- close enough. <laughs> <laughs> Veoheen, is that right?
2: Yes, that is correct.
1: Um, yeah, looking forward to watching him play. Uh, so, you know, he's got – do you think he's got a shot at uh, – he's not going to start in Chattanooga next year, surely?
2: No, I think he'll wind up in Dayton next year. Yeah.
1: At least to start, and we'll see. Hopefully, hopefully he ends up in Chattanooga because that'll have a twenty-two-year-old in Double A. That'll be a bright future indeed. Yes. Um, okay, so we're going to go to first base now. First baseman. Uh, this this person does exist, um, and it was uh, Wilson Garcia. What can you tell us about Wilson Garcia, your All-Star minor league first baseman?
2: Now, this is one of the. He's one of the few guys on the team. I, he's not really a prospect. He's twenty-seven years old, but um, he had a really good season. And this is an All-Star team, not a prospect team. Exactly. So I'm, I'm not. I'm not gonna you know write him off as somebody who doesn't deserve the the accolades he put together a very good season he finished second in the organization with uh 18 home runs um i think he was like fifth in batting average among those that qualified um you know he he just he had a good season i, I just don't think that he's got a future with the big league club uh
1: yeah exactly exactly you're right this is not your top uh, prospects list this is uh who performed on the field, and uh, and certainly he did. Second base,
2: most, most of the guys they are prospects that, to be this list. But it's actually
1: true, it's, which is <laughs> yeah, that's fortunate. Um, second base is a guy that uh, Reds fans got to know a little bit this year, and, and kind of clamored for at one point uh, to get in the lineup a little bit more. And it's Alejo Lopez, and uh, boy, he did that. Dude just uh, he just hit this season, didn't
2: he? Uh, that's that's all he did was hit. I mean, it no matter where he was at, at least in the minor leagues. I mean, it was just hit after hit after hit. Um, you know, he, when he got called up to the Reds, he was leading the organization in hits and average. And then, you know, he came up and sat around for three and a half weeks and played like five games. Um, and so he, he did get passed up in the, in the hit total there. But, I mean, I, I think that he's got a chance to be a, an everyday second baseman. Um, I, he can play some third. He can play some outfield. But I don't think he's a starting caliber bat there. Uh, you can get by with it a little bit more at second base, where his defense is okayish.
1: So, well, somebody that's got yeah. a shot at being a you know an everyday starter in the big leagues—that's that's something. That's, that's not nothing. So, yeah, and, uh, he, and he's on the verge too. Like he's he's pretty much
2: done all he can realistically be asked to do in the minor leagues. Like, yes, you'd like to see more power from, him, but it's, that's not a reasonable ask for Alejo Lopez. Like, his power is his power.
1: Exactly. Now, third base. You're also third baseman in the minor leagues this year. Is my single favorite prospect in uh, the Reds minor league system. And not to say that I think he's the best prospect, or uh, you know that he's the the most surefire prospect. But I don't know. I, I think it, maybe it's just because I love his name. Uh, but there are lots of other reasons to uh, to like Eli De La Cruz.
2: Yeah. yeah. Oh, 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 oh
1: stop, 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 stop. I want to say that again. Eli De La Cruz. Oh, love it, love it. Tell us about him.
2: So he, I mean, this isn't even just for the Reds. This is all of minor league baseball. He may have been the biggest single breakout prospect in all of baseball this year. I mean, he came out of nowhere. And within two weeks, the Reds had taken him from the Arizona Rookie League out at their complex and promoted him. Like, he was just on a different level than the rest of the players in the league. And, I mean, people were talking. Um, When I updated my midseason prospect list, he had played, I think, 11 games in Arizona. And I rated him, like, 24th. And if I were to re-rate him now, which here, here's a, here's a nice plug. Uh, i going to come out with a new updated prospect list within uh, – the, the plan right now is to open it on November 1st. So
1: Redsmatterleagues.com.
2: Co- coming soon. But he, he is going to be rated significantly higher than 24th. I um, I, the guy is just – he's got unreal tools. The, the way that people talked about him this season, I mean, it was like the Hunter Green of hitters. Like, they, he, he does so many things at just such a high level. Like, I'm not sure that I've heard scouts talk about another Reds position prospect like they've talked about Ellie Daly Cruz. Um, he doesn't walk much yet. And that's kind of a, that's a thing you need to keep an eye on. But everything else he does, man, it's people just, they, they speak about it differently.
1: I cannot wait, cannot wait to see uh, see this guy on a more regular basis. So absolutely, your shortstop. We don't need to talk too much about uh, Jose Barrero. Clearly, the best shortstop uh, in the system. Well, in the minor league system. Pick one of your outfielders. Uh, You're one of your all star outfielders. Start wherever you want to start.
2: We'll go with Alan Serta. Uh He spent most of his time in, in Dayton, or uh, I'm sorry, in Daytona, but he did get to Dayton at the end of the year. Um, he missed about a month. Still hit 17 home runs. He walks a lot. He strikes out a lot. He can play really good defense um, in center field, which it translates to both corners, too, but he he plays center field. Um, Lorenzo Cedrola spent the whole year in AA, and then when their season ended, he went up to AAA for the last 10 games there. He led the organization in hits. He hit 315 on the season. He's got a little bit of speed. He can play center field. Uh, probably more of a backup caliber kind of outfielder, but I think that he's, he's really close to filling that role if they were to ask him to. I don't think they will necessarily next year, but I think that he could. Um, and then the only guy that made the position – well, I guess that's not true. I got the, the DH guy also. But uh, yearling confidant.
1: Not a real player.
2: Not a real player. That's, that's weird because I just talked to a couple people about him this week, and they all know exactly who I was talking about.
1: You're being gaslit, Doug Gray. <laughs>
2: It would not be the first time. Um, you know, he's an 18 year old kid. He was making his professional debut this year out in Arizona for the uh, the Goodyear Reds. He led the league with 11 home runs. He hit 315. Um, you no, know, listed as you know a, a solid outfielder. You know if if you've got a guy that is doing that in his professional debut, I get excited. So,
1: yeah, yeah, big time numbers. So, DH.
2: DH is Carlos Jorge, who spent his season in the Dominican Summer League. Seventeen years old, uh, you know, making his pro debut. He hit 346 and slugged 579. Uh, stole 27 bases and walked almost as often as he struck out. Uh, you, you don't really know how that stuff all translates, but the, the scouting reports sound pretty good too. So um, definitely keep an eye on that. He middle infielder, you know. But you know, they just—he—he he wasn't a better option than Alejo Lopez or Jose Barrero at either of those spots. So I thought I'd you know toss him in there as the designated
1: hitter. Yeah, you know this kind of relates back to what you were saying earlier. But you kind of look at this All-Star team and the guys that have really good seasons all all the way around. But yeah, other than other than Barrero and Alejo Lopez, you know, um, not a lot that we can uh, count on in, in the very near future it looks like. So there's a lot uh, a lot to be written still about most of these guys. Uh, let's talk about pitchers. I think you had three starters and two relievers on your uh, on your All Star team. And we'll start with um, the first one, Graham. And do you have? It looks like you have an alphabetical order. Did you put them in any type of order?
2: Uh, there, it's supposed to be an alphabetical order. Although I did, I can look at it now. And I see I messed up the relievers there. But
1: that's oh okay. well. I See, I wasn't going to call you out on that because I didn't notice it. But uh, Graham Ashcraft.
2: Yeah, I, he was. Uh, you. know, a, a solid prospect to start the season. The Reds invited him to the, it was technically called minor league camp, um, but it was the one that ran alongside big league camp because they wanted to have, you know, ex- expanded player pool. Um, and, you know, he was impressive out there, and then he went out and pitched well in Dayton, and then he went and got promoted to Double A, and he pitched well there. He threw 44 consecutive shutout innings uh, between those two stops at one point during the year, finished with an ERA of three, like three even in 111 innings this year. Huge ground ball guy. He also struck out 129 batters. Um, when you find that sweet spot where a guy who can rack up strikeouts and get a ton of ground balls, it's really hard to not be a good pitcher like that. Uh, and he, he does both of those things very well.
1: Graham Ashcraft. Next starter will surprise uh, no one, I would imagine. It's uh, our good buddy Hunter Green. And boy, what a season that guy had.
2: Yeah, he was absolutely dominant in double-A. Um, when he got promoted to triple-A after, I think it was seven starts, um, he was a little bit inconsistent there. But, I mean, he was still solid. He was the youngest pitcher in the league. I don't think he faced anybody that was younger than him until September. Um, maybe it was late August. But, um, you know, he was the youngest player on the field every time he went on on the field, and he still performed very well. He finished with an ERA of 3.3. He had 139 strikeouts and just 39 walks and 106 innings this year.
1: And your final starter is a guy that if you were paying attention late in the season, you uh, got to know him a little bit, Reaver San Martín, who uh, who did uh, join the Reds late in the year and had a really good uh, really good campaign. And uh, I think over two levels, well, three if you include the major leagues, right?
2: Yeah, he started at Chattanooga in AA, didn't stay there, I think it was like 18 innings. He allowed one run, so that's a, an ERA of 0.5 for those uh, doing the math in their heads. Uh, he went to Louisville, and he, kind of, he split his time between the bullpen and the, the rotation. He made seven relief appearances, 14 starts, an ERA of 3.94 there. Um, you know, one of the things that, you know, what I looked at when I was looking at the All-Stars is how many innings guys threw. And, you know, with how 2021 kind of came about after not having a 2020 season, not everybody was throwing a lot of innings, because you kind of had to monitor the workloads that everybody had. And, you know, Reber San Martin, he, he threw 100 innings. That really... Worked in his favor, and he did the highest levels too.
1: So you're, uh, yeah, absolutely outstanding season uh, for that guy. Now, uh, is he a guy for next year?
2: I don't think he's a starter for next year unless they get pretty far down the depth chart or they make a bunch of moves and they have a bunch of you know openings in the rotation. Um, I do think that he could have an opportunity to pitch out of the bullpen, assuming that you know they don't need him as a starter. I just, I looking at the other options they've got as a starter. I mean, he's probably fourth or fifth on the minor league depth chart um, behind guys like, you know, Nick Lodolo, Hunter Green, Graham Ashcraft, even a guy like Tony Santillan who might get a chance to start next year.
1: All right. So your relievers. Uh, the first one is uh, Dari Moretta. We talked about him a lot the last couple months of the season. Uh, we'll talk about him a little bit more in a moment, maybe. But um, the other reliever was Philip Deal. What's the deal with that guy? <laughs> uh, he's a lefty who. You know, he was
2: he was really good all season.
1: Good deal. Um,
2: yeah, he, he threw in 58 games, had a two point four seven ERA all at AAA. Uh, he only walked 12 guys and had 71 strikeouts. He's not a huge stuff guy, so I'm not really sure where he would fit in at the major league level. Um, but, I mean, he had an outstanding season.
1: You're not appreciating my dad jokes. I'm just going to have to, uh, I'm, I'm a little upset about that.
2: It might have just gone right over my head. I was too worried about my computer making noise in the background while I was talking. I was trying to figure out why it was doing that.
1: Well, I hope you figure that one out.
2: Yeah, I don't think I did, but I maybe care. it'll just play nice.
1: No, I don't care. All right, so your minor league uh, uh, awards for this season. Let's That's your all-star team. Let's talk about the actual awards. Your 2021 Reds minor league baseball pitcher of the year. Doug, you've already spoken about him, obviously. Uh, who was it? Graham Ashcraft. Hunter I, Green was robbed.
2: I mean, I'll listen to your argument. I can make one myself, but... I just, I really liked what Graham Ashcraft brought to the table. I, he had more innings than Hunter Green did. Lower your A, granted, at one level lower. Um, but, I mean, it's just, I, I think that the big thing there was, I, I looked at that 44-inning streak where he didn't allow an earned run in the middle of the season, and I, it it impressed me. It, it really did, I'm not going to lie. It should impress you, too, because that's thats pretty hard to do. It's amazing. That, was over, yeah. that was over a month straight where he didn't give up an earned run. Um but, yeah, he, he just had a great season.
1: Yeah, Graham Ashcraft, uh, well-deserved your minor league reliever of the year. That's why we didn't talk about him a moment ago. This was must have been the easiest one. Well, maybe not the easiest one to pick. Uh, but uh, it wasn't too difficult, I imagine. Dari Moretta.
2: Oh, he was the easiest one to pick. <laughs> um, I mean, he he went four months without allowing an earned run. So, um, yeah, he he was very, very good. He split his season between Double AA Chattanooga, A Louisville, and you know, finished the season with a 1.02 ERA. Uh, you know, if only the Reds had a spot for him in the bullpen. But you know, their bullpen was too good this year to call him up before the last week of the season. So,
1: yeah, uh, is he in the Reds' uh, Reds' uh, bullpen day one next year? What do you think? I,
2: I, I would have to think so. But uh, you you don't know what they're going to do in the off season. I know that we're all sitting here rolling our eyes, thinking, "Yeah, the Reds aren't going to do anything." But um, there there's a possibility they make some trades or something and acquire some guys that. Don't make much money, which would make sense for what the kind of moves the Reds would do. So, um, well, Moretta's yeah. cheap too. So, you know, well, he is, he is, but you know, for, for whatever reason, they saw something where they thought that maybe he wasn't ready. I don't know why.
1: I, it still doesn't make any sense to me, but he's got to become the best triple A pitcher he can be <laughs> or whatever.
2: Yeah. or <laughs> I don't know what else you can do with <sighs> your play. I mean, his ERA was 0.68 when the season ended in AAA, so. That's I mean, not I guess bad. You could be, I guess you could be perfect, but I, I don't know. I feel like maybe that's asking too much.
1: Uh, I think probably so. All right, your league Baseball Player of the Year for 2021 to me seemed uh, seemed obvious, but there were some other good good choices potentially, but go ahead.
2: Uh, yeah, it was Jose Barrero, and I really I didn't even truly consider anybody else I mean, he hit 300 in double A. He hit over 300 in triple A. He led the organization in home runs, and he's a freaking shortstop, man. Like, Is he, though? Uh, he is. He is. <laughs> I, I know there are some people out there who maybe get paychecks from Bob Castellini that think that maybe he should play somewhere else. But uh, he's a shortstop, man. So, yeah, that, that was an easy one for me. I mean, he was just he was he, far and away the best offensive player in the organization this year at the minor league level, and he's also a really good shortstop. Easy, easy call.
1: To me, you know, uh, and I don't want to really get into this too deep uh, and rehash all this, but to me, there's no, no question whatsoever, but that Jose Barros should be the starting shortstop on opening day in 2022 for the Cincinnati Reds. I mean, it's just it's it's so obvious as to not even need discussion. I think I know some people disagree with that, and of course, there was the news this week that our buddy Kyle Farmer, who needs to be on the Reds opening day roster. I'm not suggesting they did jettison him uh, to the into the you know, shoot him into the sun or something. But um, he says he he's going to try to he wants to hang on to the starting shortstop role and people well, someb- he,
2: he should want to that's like, what I'm say. glad that he feels that way like he, if he didn't feel that way I'd be concerned as to what was going on with Kyle Farmer
1: right some people were freaking out about that I'm like well, what's he going to say of course that's what he wants to try to do you know good for him I hope he does try as hard if, as he can if he, does,
2: if he doesn't have that confidence then he's in a lot of trouble
1: yeah so you know um, but the fact of the matter is if Kyle Farmer's your starting shortstop on opening day unless Barrera is hurt then. Well, I don't. I, again, I, I I try to have this rule, and I, I let myself slip sometimes. Where don't get mad about something before it actually happens. <laughs> don't let yourself get mad over something the Reds, some dumb the Reds might do if they haven't actually done it yet. Let's wait and let them do something dumb because they may make the right decision. And it's just not yeah, worth let's, my. Let's,
2: let's let's just hope it works out. Like the uh, for some confusing reason, looking back at everything that we can look back and see that the Reds chose Barry Varkin over Kurt Stillwell. Still see? can't figure that one out. I have no idea how that was a conversation. Like, I understand that we know a lot more statistically now than we do back we did back then, but we also know that Barry Larkin turned out to be a good defensive shortstop. So, knowing that, it's not like, I mean, I guess it's possible he was a terrible defensive shortstop in the minor leagues and then just overnight it clicked and he was a good one in the big leagues, but I doubt that's the thing. But well, if you look at the numbers, like, Barry Larkin was crushing the ball in double-A AA and triple-A when they weren't sure about Kurt Stilwell hitting 280 with three home runs. In the low minors. Like, I don't understand how it was a conversation as to who should we keep and who should we get rid of.
1: I'll have to look it up here. I wish I had thought to do that. Uh, but uh, Barry Larkin, now, his first year or two in the big leagues, I, I can't say what his minor league numbers were, but his first year or two in the big leagues, uh, he was really, really poor defensively. Um, he made uh, how many errors? Let's see. It's here somewhere. I know. Okay. Errors. Yeah. You know, as a 23 uh, year old, his first sort of full season, 119 games. He had 19 errors. Had 29 errors as a 24 year old, and then after that, again, and not that errors is the be all end all, but after that, but he was hitting well, and after that, of course, he becomes uh, an elite defensive shortstop and was robbed of at least two, maybe uh, as many as four gold gloves in his career, ah, by Ozzy Smith, Mm, that guy. So
2: anyway, um, let's say that that guy who he made he made some errors. Look at him! Look at nineteen eighty-eight. He made twenty-two errors. Look at that.
1: So, he also know. got to more balls than any human on earth. So th- <laughs> that, that every every it.
2: catcher in baseball would like like to have a conversation about that because they catch all. Of them. That's a good
1: point. Um, okay, so we got some good uh, some viewer mail questions today that I think will lead into some 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 of the the, the big league questions that we. Uh, need to kind of address today, but, uh, enjoy the minor league talk there and, uh, definitely go check out reds dot league.com the next few days. So just keep refreshing it until that top prospects list is released. Um,
2: and keep doing it after that too, because yeah. I got bills to pay.
1: Exactly. Just refresh, <laughs> um, get one of those, uh, yeah Homer's hand Simpson had one of those, uh, those birds that like, you know, leans over yes. and or like, so just get one of those that hits the, what is the F5 key or whatever the refresh key is.
2: Yeah, well, let's let's also just hope that uh it works out better for me than it did for Homer. That's true. Um, yes,
1: yes. Homer uh wore a muumuu during that episode. Um, so first question, and most of these questions are uh, are, are Reds related, but here this is a good one that I'll give. We'll give a little bit of time to. Joe Farsing asked. I mean, these questions come from our friends at Reds. Where, where do they come from? Oh, this season's been so long. <laughs> Patreon dot com slash Redleg Radio. Patreon dot com slash red lake radio where you too can support the world's most dangerous podcast first comes from our friend joe Farsing. top five non-baseball sports movies and go he says so top five non baseball sports movies maybe let's go we'll go back and forth you and i will pick uh we'll pick some you want to pick like, right. the first one or you want me to take it
2: i'm going first i'm taking happy gilmore
1: happy gilmore excellent call the price is wrong something something
2: Something, something, that's right.
1: Happy Gilmore. So this is a
2: family friendly podcast here.
1: Exactly. Uh fantastic movie. Adam Sandler playing golf and uh just uh just brilliant. I'm gonna go with uh for my first selection here. We'll we'll do a little draft here. Um my first round pick is gonna be Hoosiers. Mm, Basketball movie Hoosier's Not Gene Hackman, huh? Huh? Gene hey, Hackman? Yeah,
2: yeah. That's that's a good one. it almost made my list, so it's right there, but I'm going to go with my second pick is dodgeball.
1: Ooh, dodgeball. And I say what's happening here is you're leaning into this, uh, so far anyway, you're leaning into this, uh, certain style of movie that are just the ones that make your stomach hurt because you're laughing out loud so hard. Just these belly laugh movies, I call them. And I approve of both of those selections. Dodgeball is fantastic. Vince Vaughn, Ben Stiller. So good. Um, also one of the best, uh, one of the best gifs that you can use, uh, on the on interwebs yeah, and you know which one I'm talking about I, I presume
2: uh, I can think of a few but if you can dodge a wrench you can dodge
1: a ball <laughs> that's not the one It's that's not the one okay no it's a uh, that's a you bold know, strategy me, Cotton let's see that all sorts no one makes
2: me bleed my own blood
1: <laughs> that's a good move. if you've not seen Dodge Ball uh, go watch it unless you don't like to laugh who doesn't like to laugh Chad uh, some people believe me I've seen the internet Phil <laughs> Phil doesn't <laughs>
2: Phil, like to
1: laugh Phil doesn't like to laugh what's up with that guy
2: I don't know. No
1: one's figured it out yet. Phil Razor on Twitter. Go find him and ask him why he does not like to laugh. PSR 1942 or something like that. 1973.
2: I'm going to get it right, Phil.
1: I'm going to get it right. There you go. Go find him and ask him why he doesn't like to laugh. Um, But you can tell him we love him. All right. My number two, uh, my second round choice here in our best non-baseball sports movie draft that it kind of morphed into after we started. Uh, I'm going with Rocky. Rocky. I,
2: I like that one.
1: Nineteen seventy-six, classic boxing film. So it 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 it
2: had a few few good follow-ups too, if I if I may say so. A
1: a bunch, frankly. I mean, you know, in terms of all of of them, but all but two,
2: not not Rocky two, just two of the the subsequent movies. I would Rocky
1: Rocky five was pretty rough. Rocky five is the only one that I think has no
2: redeeming qualities. That's fair. I Balboa wasn't great to me. But it was okay.
1: It's watchable. It's much more watchable yes. than five. I agree. Um, and it's, this is one of the more underrated uh, movie franchises, I, I think. You know, I mean, Rocky was a Best Picture winner at the Academy Awards. I mean, that's that's how it started. But you know, all the rest of the movies were fun. And then these Creed movies are outstanding. They're fantastic. Yes. They're so much fun. Yes, they are. And so, uh, yeah, that's that's a great uh, a great series. And I'm told they got another uh, Creed movie in the in the works right now. So I'm looking forward to that. I didn't know about that. So now I'm pretty excited. Yeah. That'll be good. Um, okay, you got a got a third round choice. This is another one
2: that I, I enjoy for the laughs. The replacements.
1: Ooh, the replacements. The first movie that we've discussed that I have not seen.
2: Ooh, are you aware of the replacements?
1: Is this like is Keanu Reeves in that? Yes, he plays yeah. a
2: quarterback in a a movie where you know they they call in some quote unquote replacements to take over after some of the professional football players go on strike.
1: If Keanu's in it then you know it's got to be a good pick cuz Keanu's just the best. He's he's pretty good. Now I'm going to go for one that I'm betting that truthfully if I were ranking these movies in terms of what I thought was actually the best, I might have I might this might have to have been my number 1 pick, but I'm also betting that the vast majority of our listeners have never seen. It's not that obscure. I mean it was a, a you know one Oscars, Oscar nominations things like that. Um, it's Raging Bull. Raging Bull starring Robert De Niro. Uh, directed by Martin Scorsese it's uh, basically a biopic of the boxer I'm going heavy on the boxing it appears here all of a sudden there's uh, some really good boxing movies though so like, I get it yeah Jake LaMotta is the is. it's basically a biopic of him so two of my first three have been boxing movies uh, and actually my next round if you don't steal it's going to be another boxing movie I'll just go ahead and preview that but uh, that's my third round pick Raging Bull if you have not seen it oh my goodness you you have to see it watch it this weekend alright number four Doug no, no theft here White men can't jump. Oh man! See, we take we're taking completely different angles of this, and every one of your except for replacements, I presume, is good because it's got Keanu. But the rest, of these are all fantastic films. I love them. Me too. I, shocking that I would also like them, but I do. Woody, uh, Woody Harrelson, and uh, and uh, uh, Wesley Snipes. Wesley Snipes, uh, And uh, just a you know classic, uh, classic film. That, you know, I, I, was, I saw something about that not too long ago. And I thought, man, you know, I've not watched that movie forever. I need to watch that again. Um, so, good, good call. My uh, my next pick. I think I'm going with The Fighter. The Fighter is about uh, a boxer. Again, I'm three out of four with boxing. It's a uh, boxer, Mickey Ward. It's a uh, stars Mark Wahlberg and Christian Bale. I think Christian Bale may have won an Academy Award. Amy Adams, the delightful Amy Adams, is also in it. Always delightful, Amy Adams. Uh, the Fighter. Uh, is just uh, if you've not seen it, again, this is one that I bet a lot of you all haven't seen. But man, it's so amazing. If you don't know the story of Mickey Ward and uh, you know his fights against Arturo Gotti, uh, anyway, great movie. Have you seen The Fighter, Doug?
2: I have seen The Fighter. Oh, that's good. There, there aren't too many boxing movies out there I haven't watched. I'm a boxing guy.
1: Boxing so. movies make for good movies, don't they?
2: When they're done right, yes, they do.
1: It's true. All right, uh, your fifth round pick. What you got?
2: Not I mean it's got some funny moments, but it's not really a comedy like much like the other ones. Any given Sunday.
1: Ooh, any given Sunday. Good call. Uh tell our, our viewers a little bit about any given Sunday. This
2: was to me,
1: this was Jamie Foxx's breakout
2: movie role. You know, he had his TV show before that, but this really kind of put him on the on the movie, the career movie path uh, moving forward. He played a backup quarterback for his professional football team and he got his opportunity, and he did not let it go away from him. Um, I don't, yeah. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. I don't want to give away the ending because it's fantastic. But um, yeah, there's a there's a nice little twist at the end there.
1: Outstanding choice, absolutely. I like your I like your list here. Um, for my last one, you know, I I kind of wanted to go with a Tin Cup, Kevin Costner golf movie. Yes. Um, I'm not gonna go there, but I I wanted to. I I wanted to go to. I thought about Rudy. Remember the movie Rudy? Uh yes,
2: um, Rudy Rudiger.
1: I really almost I really almost went with Cinderella man. It's a Oh, I love it so much. Oh, it's amazing. Russell Crowe, again, it's a boxing movie by Jim J. Braddock. Um and uh which is so amazing. It's it's just absolutely amazing. Um but I decided I, I'm too heavy on the boxing. I'm going to go another direction. Uh which is almost why I went to Ten Cup, which I, I absolutely love Ten Cup. If you haven't seen that one, it's fantastic. Uh, Costner, uh, Rene Russo, and uh, Cheech of Cheech and Chong fame. But I'm going with Seabiscuit. Seabiscuit, horse racing.
2: Hey, I, I feel like that you are a man of the 1920s and you really enjoy gambling.
1: That's a fact. That's <laughs> a fact. So it's about a racehorse, obviously, uh, named Seabiscuit. It stars uh, Jeff Bridges. It stars uh, the best Spider-Man, Toby Maguire. That's McGuire. right. That is right. I'll die on that hill. Uh, Tobey Maguire is the best Spider Man. So um, anyway, uh, that's our that's our list of five, and, and we didn't we didn't uh, we had all different movies. That's uh, that's fantastic. It that never worked. We didn't uh, we didn't arrange that ahead of time. I like it. So I can recommend all of uh, Doug's movies as well, except for uh, the replacements. But again, Keanu. All right, Calvin Medcalf's question is this: Which hyped Reds prospect? has disappointed you the most over the years? Which hyped Reds prospect has disappointed you the most over the years? Are you want to take it, or are you want to take the first stab at it?
2: You can take the first stab at
1: it. Okay. Uh, to me, it's Joey Votto, <laughs> because if he were, if, if he were good, uh, he would have led the Reds to championships, and he didn't do that. So uh, Joey Votto has disappointed me the most over the years. What about you, Doug Gray?
2: Oof, I'm going to go in a different direction. I'm going to go with Robert Stevenson. And it's close good one. Yeah, because good one. Steven Stevenson did have a big league career. He's, you know, he was, he was solid this year out in, out in Colorado and he had a good season with the Reds and, but he just, he, he was not close to what people expected him to be. Um, when I saw him in Dayton, I mean, he was a guy that was 96 to hundred miles per hour. And he could spot his fastball, which sounds crazy to anybody who watched Robert Stevenson pitch in the big leagues, because he couldn't throw his fastball for strikes to save his life. And I, he just he 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 lost the entire ability to throw his fastball both hard and for strikes. It's, and it's it difficult was, to it,
1: it, survive if you can't do those.
2: Yeah, and so that that that's the one that kind of sits with me the most. Um, you know, honorary mention: Jorman Rodriguez.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Now, I, my real answer is obviously not Joey Votto, um, because if you're disappointed with what Joey Votto's done, done, um, your hello? expectations
2: are not realistic. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> Mine is probably a guy that uh, that uh, you may need to have been around in the 90s uh, following the Reds to really understand. And uh, I'm not sure exactly how hyped he was, but in my mind, I thought this guy was going to be fantastic. And I argued and argued and argued uh, that the Reds need to give him more of a chance. And there's a guy named Willie Green. Um and Willie Green had a you know a decent uh, year and a half maybe, but he just never quite became the guy. But I always thought that guy was going to be the Reds' third baseman for you know five to seven years. And I thought he was going to be a real player, and he just he just wasn't. So Willie I, Green,
2: I, I looked it up. You know, he was a top twenty-five prospect in all of baseball oh, after nineteen ninety-two. <laughs> so yeah, he was he was very highly regarded.
1: Yeah, I mean he he, he had power. I mean he just uh, I love that guy. I love that guy. Um, but anyway, he didn't survive. So, speaking of Joey Votto, our next question comes from Seth Shainer, a good buddy, Seth Shainer. It's a good name, too, by the way. We were all but ready to concede that Joey Votto had aged a bit too much earlier this year. Then the man reinvented himself, coming off the uh, injured list, and gave us a summer to remember. What do you predict he will look like in 2022, and does he keep this up through the end of his contract, 2023? Is the contract up in 2023?
2: It can be, but I think oh, right. that they, a, they've got that option here. There's an here. option, right.
1: So... Um, First things first, Joey Votto. We, we don't have to really dive too far into it. But it was completely amazing and did completely, as Seth says, reinvent himself. And my answer to his question, and then I'll let you uh, answer it, is: um, What do you predict he'll look like in 2022? At this point, I'm just going to say he'll look like whatever Joey Votto wants to look like. I, I just I can't. I'm done betting against him. Every single bit of evidence showed that he was having the same aging curve. He delayed a little bit, but that every single player has. And then he completely changed things. I think if we're going to make a bet on it, he's likely to have another very good year. Not quite as good as this one. But I'm just not, even at age 38, I'm not willing to bet that with Joey Votto. He's a miracle worker. I don't know is the answer. And does he keep this up to the end of his contract? I don't know the answer to that either, but I would not be one bit surprised if he did. Doug?
2: I think that, I mean, one, I don't think he's going to repeat what he did this year. Um, No. Old man, Father Time just doesn't lose. He's he's undefeated. Um, I, there is an aging curve for a reason. Most guys follow it. Joey Votto followed it for a while. Um, he had that nice uh, bounce back this year. Uh, I'd I'd say he will probably get a season somewhere in between what he did in twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one. still I think he's going to be good next year. But eight eight fifty to eight seventy five OPS is kind of what I would I would bank on.
1: I'll take it. What about Ted Lasso? Uh,
2: I have not watched season two of Ted Lasso, but I loved season one. All
1: right. Well, you're going to have some difficulty uh, with one of these questions. But we have two Ted Lasso questions, and I just finished Ted Lasso the, within the last week. Uh, the, or the fin- finished the second season. Um, The first question comes from James Urban. Which MLB manager is the Ted Lasso of this league? I think the answer to that is there are no Ted Lassos anywhere else in any other professional sports. So uh, why would we even compare anyone to Ted Lasso? Uh, Do you disagree?
2: I mean, I don't disagree, but if I had to pick one that reminds me of Ted Lasso in some ways, I I think it might be David Bell. No. When have you heard David Bell mention anything negative about any of his players? He's always talking about the good things. He believes in them. They're right around the corner from making that turnaround, even though, let's, I mean, we'll just take a Eugenio Suarez, for example. The guy didn't hit for like two straight years until September. And every time David Bell spoke about him, he spoke very highly. You know, he, he believed in him. He, you know, he's been working hard. It's, it's, it's coming. He can see it. You know, he was very positive and upbeat in a very Ted Lasso kind of way when he spoke about his players, even the ones that were struggling.
1: So, uh, yeah, I don't see that, but I like the argument. Charles Zoller's his question about Ted Lasso is this, uh, Ted Lasso Season 1 is better than Season 2. Also, the episode that was only about Coach Beard was terrible, right? Now, we're not going to get into spoilers here, because Doug's not seen the second season yet. Uh, I will say that the episode that was only about Coach Beard, I actually really, really enjoyed. It looked like like we were trying to tread water a little bit, but... um, (laughs) because <laughs> they didn't know maybe they didn't know what what to do, um, there were a couple things at the end of season two that upset me. Um, and again, we're not going to tell Doug what those are.
2: We can talk about it in about two weeks.
1: Yes, but I've, I've,
2: I've got my Apple Plus subscription or whatever the heck they call it ready to
1: go. So, so. yeah, but uh, the answer I think the answer is yes. Ted Lasso season one is better than season two, but season two is pretty good. And how much did you like season one, Doug?
2: Uh, it was my favorite TV show of all time
1: uh wait what
2: i said what i said
1: hold on let me just
2: of all time as far as one season of any television show it was my favorite one season of television show i've ever
1: watched okay well that's ludicrous you can just take any random season of two and a half men and ted lasso doesn't even compare
2: well, guys, this has been my last appearance on Red Lake Nation Radio. It's been fun until about the last 10 seconds.
1: I've never seen a single episode of Two and a Half Men, <laughs> not one episode. Ted Lasso's amazing. you have
2: seen it's not, It's not great.
1: If you haven't seen Ted Lasso, what everybody is saying is they're right. Season 2 was not as good as Season 1 in my mind, but still, it's better than just about anything else. on. Well, I think it is better than anything else currently on television. It's not my favorite series ever, but... It, but well, then again, when I say something's better than everything else on television, there are no other shows. There's one other show that I watch on television. That's that's Archer, which is hilarious to me. But um, So don't trust me, but I did love uh, Ted Lasso. And here's what I'll say, you know, I, I watched the whole thing and I kept telling my wife, you know, uh, you should watch this. You'll like it. And she's like, she didn't watch it with me at the beginning. So I watched it on my own because she was like, you know, soccer, really? And I'm like, okay, whatever, but you like it. And so I watched the whole thing and I finally talked her into it. So she's uh, sitting, in, she's trying to catch up, you know, or watch all of it. So she has on the second episode of season one and I was reading a book and I was like, I couldn't concentrate on my book. I was laughing out loud at the, at the show, you know, that I already seen. It's, it's really, it, it's good stuff. So I love about Ted Lasso, Doug. Gosh,
2: I, I can't help myself.
1: Let's answer a, 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 another question from one of our viewers at patreon.com slash red leg radio. Um, this is one is uh, not specifically directed to you, but I'm going to let you take it. I- I'm going to make a brief comment, then I'll let you take it. Uh, with the Reds being thin at, in outfit in the outfield, how far away is Austin Hendrick from uh, contributing in the majors? How far away is Austin Hendrick uh, just from? I didn't watch him play at all this year. I just see a stat line. I would say very, very far. What's that I you, would Doug? agree.
2: I mean, he's he's years away. He he struck out. I mean, nearly forty percent of the time he stepped to the plate this year in low A. Um, there there's a lot of work to do. There's a lot to like there, but he has some really big strides he needs to make before he's even remotely in the conversation.
1: He's 20 years old. He's not a bust, but uh, yeah, he's not he's not there. Uh, Nathan Connor asks if if there if you were a competent general manager for the Reds. I'm not and am, go ahead. <laughs> I'm Not either, and, and I'm not sure there is such a thing on Earth, at least as the world's currently constituted. Which players, organization-wide, are off the table for winter trade discussions? Which players in the Reds organization are completely off the table for any trade discussions? My short answer is, there are no players that are off the table. What well, say you, Doug?
2: I mean, the short answer, I would agree. The long answer is, it would probably take unrealistic returns to get me to trade Hunter Green or Jose Barrero. Um, do you really want to trade Jonathan India right now? He, you know, I mean, he's probably going to win the Rookie of the Year, and I, I hate to talk about players like this, but he doesn't make any money for the next two years either. And he's a he's a well above average starting player now. I mean, I'm I'm not really seeing a good reason to trade him.
1: No, I don't want to trade any of those
2: guys. But again, sometimes the perfect matchup for a trade is there.
1: Yeah, I mean, if if somebody makes me an offer, I can't refuse. Or there's a package that might have to include in India to improve the Reds. at, you know, two, three different positions. You know, I'm I if I'm the if I'm the GM for the Reds, I I'm listening. There's no one that's off the table. Like, don't even bring me an offer.
2: Yeah, take um, take every phone call and see what they got to say. Yeah,
1: but yeah, the price for some of these guys certainly is higher than others. Hunter Green, that that price is going to be high. Now, a couple of questions about two guys uh, that we've mentioned a little bit here. And so we'll take them. Let's see, which order do I want to take them? Okay, let's take them this way. Joey Gidica. Hey, guys, are both Hunter Green and Nicoladolo on the big club to start the year, barring any setbacks? Hunter Green, Nick starting pitchers, are they both uh, on the Cincinnati opening day roster, barring any setbacks? I'll, I'll let you take them first, Doug.
2: I'll say no. Uh, I could see where maybe one of them is. I'd be absolutely shocked if both of them were.
1: I thought that both would make their debut in September this year. I thought, um, and I think we've had that discussion before about Green. I thought he should have. Um, there's arguments both ways. I'm not saying it was malpractice by the Reds not to to bring him up late in the season. Uh, Nick Lodolo had the injury issues basically that kind of kept him back. So uh, I would have six months ago. I would have thought, yeah, surely. Maybe not six months ago, three months ago, even I would have thought, yes, surely these guys are are going to be on the big league roster starting next year, uh, and stop calling me Shirley. A uh, little uh, little joke for you there, uh, Douglas. But um,
2: oh, oh my God, I picked up on it.
1: Just yeah, I, I, I think there's a I think there's a better than fifty percent chance one of them are on the roster to start the season. I think that the chances that both of them are are slim to none. I do think however both will uh, barring injury both will play in the big leagues next year i think that's uh, almost a guarantee and you know if they're if neither of them are on the big league club i gotta say it the reds will evidently have something they didn't really have uh have not had uh, in recent years which is some depth in the starting pitching ranks because those guys are pretty that's pretty good depth to have if you have injuries or you know a poor performance that if you need to fill a spot on the in the rotation so that could be a good thing
2: yeah i, I i'm with you i think that there's very small chance that both of them aren't in the big leagues at some point next year, barring injury. But I just, I think that the team is going to want them both to be starting pitchers, at least to begin the season. Yeah. I don't know. If, I mean, if everybody's healthy, do the Reds have two open starting rotation spots?
1: Well, no. my, my thing though is, you know, if everyone's healthy, I'm sorry. I love what Vladimir Gutierrez did this year, but I'm giving that spot to Hunter Green. Uh, well, yeah.
2: That's one, That but that's one spot.
1: Yeah, well, right, right. For both of them, right. I agree. They're not going to have – well, they might if Wade Miley's gone. Um, if
2: Wade Miley's gone, I am going to – there's going to be a riot somewhere. It, well, let, me, let me rephrase that. I, I can see where you could trade Wade Miley. Right. If they if they don't pick up his option for $10 million, I am going to riot.
1: It's malpractice. It's, it's absolute malpractice. That should be the easiest decision that anyone in the Reds management has had to make in 100 years to pick up that option. Again, if you, it's $10 million, which is not, for what he provides, it's that's not a, a lot. And also, that's a guy that you're going to be able to deal if you, if you feel like you, you need to you know, come midseason. Someone will take a, a flyer on Wade Miley if he's healthy. I, I, it makes no sense to me. So the other question about these guys are uh, from Kyle Kapler. Kyle asks, what pitching prospect will more than likely make their debut next season and have the highest impact on the 2022 Reds who are not named uh, Green or Lodolo? It's a really good question, Kyle. And you know, uh, the way this is worded is, it's well crafted, uh, well crafted question from from Kyle Kappler. Because you know, my first thoughts are which player, which young, which pitching prospect other than Grindel Dole, I want to say Dar Moretta or Tony Santion. But now they're not going to make their debut next season. They made their debut this year. So, so I'm going to toss this in your lap. Which pitching prospect uh, other than those two will make a debut? And, or have a chance, the most likely to, to make a debut and have some impact on the 22, 22, 2022 Reds, easy for me to say.
2: <laughs> it's got to be Graham Ashcraft. I mean, he he pitched well in Double A. I think he'll start the year in A next year, which, again, that just means he's right on the doorstep. Um, I, I I like the other guys. I think they're going to want to keep him in the rotation to begin the year. But if in an unexpected situation where they need a reliever, to begin the year because there's a bunch of injuries or just terrible performance or something like that. It it wouldn't surprise me if Ashcraft did get that role. Um, But yeah, I think that with his stuff and how close he is, he's the easy answer. If it's not going to be Lodolo or Green.
1: Sounds good. Okay. Three, uh, three more kind of rapid fire questions here. So, and then we'll get out of here. First comes from Hooper Powell, better baseball name. I'm not sure how he picked these two random names from baseball history, but I like it. Who has the better baseball name, former Braves catcher Biff Pokoroba or former Padres infielder Kurt Bavacqua?
2: I mean, the, the real answer is Lars Newtbar. Uh, <laughs> what? That's the, again, that's not a real person. <laughs> he a real person. Oh, he even played for the St. Louis Cardinals this year. What's his name?
1: Lars Newtbar. You know, there, were, there actually was a time where I you know I used to eat at least one Lars Newtbar every day after school they're delicious, right? They're fantastic, yes. The nougat is my favorite part. You like the nougat, Doug? It's everybody's favorite part. <laughs> exactly. Uh, of those two, we're going to go with Biff Pocaroba, I think. Um,
2: yeah, let's, let's we'll go with that one.
1: Sure. Kurt Mavacqua, former Big League Baseball bubblegum blowing champion. I know that. You Look it up if you don't believe me. Rich Thompson, dear Chad and Doug, do you see the Reds continue to slash spending organization-wide this offseason beyond the player roster at the MLB level? For example, minor league scouting and organizational... Operations. Now, I'll let you uh, do the heavy lifting on this. one well, my thought is, I'm not sure we really can know the answer to that, Rich. You know, slash spending. I don't know that we'll see slashing of spending beyond what we've already seen. And uh, letting a couple guys uh, walk. Uh, I hope they don't slash again. That's a that's a particular term you've used there that makes it seem like some kind of a drastic cutting. Um I don't hope we don't see that because I think uh, that's one of the, you know, Dick Williams uh, did a lot of good things. He made some mistakes in the big league level, but I think his l- longest lasting legacy with this team could have been the revamping of everything in the minor leagues, uh, you know. So I don't know. I I don't know that I would use the term slash. Doug, what do you think?
2: Uh, one of the things that I do every year when I get the, the Reds media guide is I open it up and I look at. What jobs were listed in the media guide in the front office and minor league front office scouting area and compare it to the year before? I'm really worried about how much smaller it's going to be when I get the media guide next year. Now, I I, I, I don't know much. Now, here's what's interesting to me. When the Reds let go of Kyle Bodie or he left or whichever way it worked out to be, um, I was concerned that they were not going to be replacing his job because he's not the pitching coordinator in the minor leagues. He was the director of pitching. Not every organization has somebody above the pitching coordinator in their farm system. Um, And I just thought, well, you know, if if they're going to be cutting money, saving money, slashing money, whatever way you want to look at it, They're just going to eliminate this job and they're going to go back to the way that it has been pretty much for the last 30 years in every organization and have a minor league pitching coordinator as the top guy as far as the pitching stuff goes in their farm system. The Reds posted a job uh, opening for a minor league co-pitching coordinator last week, so it's not technically the same job that Kyle Bodie had. But it, to me, it sounds like it's basically the exact same job except for the title being a little bit different. So on one side, hey, it's good. It, it seems like they're not cutting that job, getting rid of personnel at the top, the higher end of the chain. Um, but I, I, I do think that we're probably going to have a, a slightly smaller set of people. Now, where that comes from, I'm not sure. But that that's one thing that I really... I don't want to say I'm looking forward to it next year because I I do think it's going to be smaller and I don't want to see people lose their jobs. But um, it's going to be the first thing I do when I get the media guide next year is open it up and see how many jobs were or hopefully weren't eliminated.
1: I hope you'll report back to us, Doug.
2: I will. I I write about it every year, and uh, I'm I'm hoping I have some good news early next February. (sighs)
1: Chuck Nichols, last question for this episode. Chuck Nichols, good Thursday, Doug and Chad. I see, he says Thursday, but nobody's going to hear this until Friday.
2: I, I hear it right now, so thank oh, that's
1: you That's a very good point, much. yes. Um, it's very late on Thursday right now. His question is, what do they farm on a farm team? What do they farm on a farm team? This is obvious. I'm a little disappointed you didn't already know this, Chuck. Uh, they, they farm Kyle's. Everybody down there is a Kyle farmer. I see what you did there,
2: Chad. They farm like Kyle's. It.
1: I mean it also depends on where you're at.
2: You know, the Kyles don't grow as well in Florida as they do in Ohio.
1: Hmm. it's true. It's true. It's true. Uh make makes more progress once they get the Ohio oh gosh. It's I'll really it's really hard to farm out in Arizona. A lot of a lot, lot of desert and you know, droughts. That's true. I don't know how you all listen to this nonsense for three hundred ridiculous. Episodes. It's I'm, really I'm so sorry. Yeah, we just I don't understand why people still listen to this stupid thing. If you all stop listening, I'll quit doing it. I promise.
2: <laughs> is that how it works?
1: <laughs> That's I think so. If you just, if you stop listening, I mean, it'll take me a while to realize it, but I promise we'll quit. Doug, any final thoughts as we head into this off season?
2: <sighs> don't screw it up guys. Please. I, I I know that none of you are actually listening, but don't screw it up.
1: Yeah, please don't screw it up. All right. This is episode number 398 of the world's most dangerous podcast. Thank you all for listening. For Doug Gray and, let's see, for Jason Bourne and Toby McGuire. this is Chad Dotson saying so long, everyone.
0: Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from RedLegNation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. And join us for discussion of all things Reds at RedLegNation.com. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week